The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on a Sunday morning where we're joined by Rob Kay here on Riviera Radio. How are you doing, Rob? Yeah, I'm very well, Howard, thank you. Just got over yesterday's e-Grand Prix, which was very exciting here in Monaco. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, is it a poor brother, or do you think it's just as popular? It's getting more popular. I wouldn't exactly call it the poor brother, but um, for me, it doesn't have the whirring of the electronic engines, does not have the sound and the quality that a Formula One engine has. No. So like, is that as diplomatic as I can be? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. I was walking around here where, where I live and there was an electric car that went past. I hardly heard it. <laughs> it's really, yeah. really scary. Anyway, Absolutely. Yeah. Coming on to more serious things, the French tax declaration season is now open for business and last week we discussed how France taxes UK pensions. However, our Riviera Radio Questions portal was then flooded with more general questions from listeners about UK pensions. However, before we discuss UK pensions, what caught your eye in the news this past week? I don't suppose you'd describe this as catching my eye. Uh, but the listener this week reminded me that, that that a couple of weeks ago I referred to Sophie Binet, the recently elected leader of the hardline CGT union, who had called for what she described as a popular tsunami on May Day, a historic, massive, fam- family-friendly festive day of protest against the pension reform. I also said we all know how that will end and families and children shouldn't be anywhere near. However... Unfortunately, my prediction proved correct on Monday when the anarchists from the Black Bloc movement were joined by hardline Yellow Vest protesters and protesters from the Radical Climate movements. They collectively went on the rampage in front of the peacefully union-organised march which moved through the central Paris area from the Place de la République to the Place de National. The rioters either smashed shot fronts or sprayed paint on them. Then, unbelievably, they tried to set fire as the TV showed fire to the police officers. It really makes you wonder what those idiots are actually think they're going to achieve doing this. But, on a much more positive note, yesterday we saw the coronation of His Majesty King Charles III and Queen Consort at Westminster Abbey. The coronation ceremony has, has remained essentially the same over, over a thousand years, and although yesterday there were a few subtle changes to reflect today's ethnic diversity, which showed the new king recognises his services to all religions. The king and the queen consort then travelled back to Buckingham Palace where they were greeted by a cheering crowd from the balcony with what was described as a selected member or members of the royal family. These days, ceremonial events conclude with a flypass of aircraft as usual by the British Army, Royal Air Force and the Royal Navy. They flew down the Mall and over the top of Buckingham Palace. At lunchtime today, Britain will celebrate what has been called the Coronation Big Lunch, when neighbours and communities across the country share food and enjoy street parties. Later today, there will then be a special coronation concert, and it will be staged and broadcast live from Windsor Castle. Then tomorrow, the nation is invited to take part in the Big Help Out, which will encourage people to try volunteering and join the work being undertaken to support their local areas. Now, here in France... I was actually surprised to learn this week that although it's recommended, there is strangely no legal obligation for Marys to fly the French flag, unlike schools where it's been obligatory to fly the tricolour outside all public and private schools since 2013. Now, MPs from President Emmanuel Macron's ruling party this week announced they want to make it mandatory to fly both the tricolour and the European Union flag on all French Marys, 
with the French flag taking pride of place on the top of the Marys. As you'd expect, critics said that at the moment the French Parliament has more important matters to discuss. Finally, Howard, as inflation has been a staple of these broadcasts over the past few weeks, this week we saw a potential chink of light on the horizon. Although the US Federal Reserve raised interest rates by a quarter of 1% on Wednesday night, taking the rate to 5.25%, the highest it has been since 2007, the Fed also signalled it will be the, the end of the aggressive monetary action it has adopted over the past 18 months to combat runaway inflation. It remains to be seen if the US can get inflation back to the promised land of 2% by the end of the year. And I look forward now to seeing how the Bank of England and the European Central Bank sees the state of play when they make their monthly statement in just a few weeks' time. Many thanks. We'll move on to the flag-waving then and turn to today's subject. Um, many of the listeners have or are entitled to UK state pensions. Could you give us an overview yeah, I mean, thanks to the stereotype of, uh, of pensions eking out an existence on pennies, lots of people think the UK state, pe- state pension will be worth just that, pennies. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. For most pensions, the state pension provides a very valuable guaranteed weekly payment of £179.60, which is £9,339 a year. So if you're 66 and paid UK national insurance contributions for 35 years, you're entitled to a full UK state pension. Now, you need to have contributed for a minimum of 10 years to qualify, but if you've exceeded the 10-year minimum, what you will receive will be based pro rata on how much of the 35 years you have secured. If your cash is sitting in a bank deposit account and it's paying, let's say, 4%, you would need to have £235,000 sitting in that account to generate the same level of income as the UK state pension pays. So I think we can say it's it's quite a big deal. If you've not accumulated 35 years of national insurance contributions to receive the full pensions, since the new state pension was introduced in 2016, it's been possible to make voluntary contribution, which buys back additional years of the state pension. A voluntary contribution costs approximately £800, but it will actually add £275 a year to your state pension. It therefore takes less than three years of payments to get your your money back. After that, it's just pure profit. However, if you want to buy back some years, especially if you don't have the 10 qualifying years, you need to act quickly. The ability to buy back years was scheduled to end on the 5th of April last month, but due to the high volume of people fawning the deadline for contacting HMRC, has now been extended to the end of July to give taxpayers more time to fill the gaps. But don't leave it until the last minute or you're not likely to get through in time. So it's really important for everyone to understand the state retirement age and to check their UK state pension entitlement. And you can do that by going online at www.gov.uk forward slash check hyphen state hyphen pension. Last week, you referred to defined contribution and defined benefit pensions. What are they and what's the difference? Um, People who have worked for UK companies frequently have what's known as company pensions, which are referred to also as defined benefits or final salary pensions. They're called defined benefits pensions because the accrual of benefits is based on the number of years you've worked for a company and your final salary. The basic idea is, when you retire, you'll receive a pension which is based on your time with the firm and your final salary when you left their employment. There are lots of different versions, but some of the best are referred to as 60 schemes. When you retire, 
If you if you work for the same firm for 40 years, you'll receive 40 sixtieths of your final salary, which is then usually indexed for the rest of your life, to be honest with you. The, uh, the defined benefits pensions, they're, they're actually quite rare these days. Employers, employees now change jobs much more frequently. And, and this type of pension creates or can create massive ongoing liabilities for employers. And uh, the press have made lots of reference to it recently and referred to them as pension black holes. These days, employers favour defined contribution pensions because although they have financial commitments, it's quantifiable. Individuals have used defined contribution pensions, also known as money purchase personal pensions, for years. The UK government encourages people to save for their retirement by offering tax relief on pension contributions, and while the money is accumulating within the pension, it grows tax-free. Over the years, they've been much maligned, but personal pensions have helped lots of people create some very, very valuable pots of saving by enforcing a savings culture. Also, not being able to get your hands on the money until you're at least 55. And once again, those government benefits of adding at least 20% to your savings through the tax breaks. What happened to the lifetime allowance and what's its impact? Um, in very simple terms, the, the lifetime allowance was the maximum combined amount you could accumulate in UK pensions, whether they were defined benefits or defined contributions, or a combination of the both. The lifetime allowance was first, first introduced in 2006 when the threshold was set at 1.4 million. That threshold was gradually increased over the next six years to 1.8 million, but in 2016 it was slashed down to 1 million pounds. Since then, it has increased in line with inflation until Rishi Sunak froze the threshold in his first budget back in 2021. Any amount above the lifetime allowance was subject to a tax charge of 25% if the excess is paid as a pension, but if the excess is paid as a lump sum, that tax charge jumps to 55%. However, Jeremy Hunt, in the, the current incumbent of number 11, completely removed the lifetime allowance charge in his recent string, spring budget. It was a move which caught everyone out, and the immediate response from Labour was, when we can take control after the next election, it will immediately be reinstated. At times I've been accused of being overly dramatic during these broadcasts, but this change is massive for a lot of people, and once in a generation opportunity possibly. If you have an uncrystallised pension, you need to review it, and it needs to be done now. I cannot overemphasise how important it is to act now. Don't put this off. If you delay, you could easily miss an opportunity where the window is really quite narrow. In the right circumstances, crystallising your pension will potentially increase its value by 25%. Think about it. That's a staggering opportunity. So, what are Kurops? Uh, qualify and recognise overseas pension schemes, Howard. They are very simply overseas pensions that are authorised to receive monies from UK pensions when the owner of those pension benefits has moved abroad. To be able to receive monies from a UK pension, a Curots must be approved by HMRC. So despite what a recent article in a well-known English-language French newspaper said, which is read by probably many of our listeners, Curops are legitimate pension structures for French residents. In fact, very recently, we were asked to provide the French tax authorities with a technical plan explaining Curops, which was very well received. 
The lifetime allowance mentioned in the previous question has historically been a popular reason why many people who move abroad choose to transfer their UK pensions to Curops. This is because any further appreciation in value is not exposed to the life allowance tax charge. Your pension can safely carry on appreciating in value, safe in the knowledge that it's, running, it's not running the risk of a 25% or 55% tax charge. French residents don't just transfer their pensions because of the lifetime allowance. There are lots of other reasons. There is usually a reason why we've left the UK, so why would we leave potentially one of our most valuable assets behind at the mercy of the UK government, whichever colour that is in the future? We also shouldn't forget, prior to 2006, we could save whatever amount we wanted in our pensions and there wasn't a tax penalty. There is also about £3 trillion in UK private pensions, so it will be a huge tax target for any future Chancellor or government. Another major reason for transferring pensions is currency. UK pensions are usually paid in sterling, which is not helpful if most of our expenses need to be paid in euros. Since Brexit, another big driver for people transferring pensions is UK advisors and UK pension firms just can't advise or guide their European resident clients. You're on your own, and pensions are certainly not one area where you where you definitely want to not be on your own. You need to be going into bat completely with the support of a trusted advisor behind you. Is the overseas transfers charge still a thing, or has it also gone? Um, has it gone? Did it actually arrive? Well, it did for everyone outside Europe, Howard. Um, in his 2017 budget, Philip Hammond, the then Chancellor, introduced the overseas transfer charge to deter people from transferring their pensions out of the UK for what at the time he described as purely tax avoidance reasons. What he really meant was, we've allowed you to accumulate pension benefits in a beneficial UK tax environment, but now you've moved away or moving away, we won't see any tax revenue, so we're applying an exit tax. However, although the UK is no longer part of the EU, Curops transfers by EU residents to EU Curops are still not subject to the UK's overseas transfer charge. But we need to be careful. If we move again and subsequently live outside of the EU, the overseas transfer charge will be applied retrospectively. Obviously, Monaco is not an EU member, so Monaco residents need to be extra vigilant and take specialist advice when they're reviewing and considering their pension options, which is flavour of the month at the moment, as I said, with the lifetime allowance being uh, being abolished. I also said previously that it's become a lot more challenging because UK financial advisors, brokers, pension administrators, stockbrokers, and actually in fact anyone providing financial advice out of the UK have lost the ability to advise their overseas clients, which includes those people in Monaco. Are our UK pensions impacted by the fact that the UK is no longer a member of the EU? Um, yeah, I mean, as time passes, we're slowly learning more and more about what post-Brexit life in France looks like, what's actually changed and what hasn't. So far, the main issues have been probably technical and administrative, which most of the listeners won't have, have encountered. The UK continuing to uplift UK state pensions as if we're living in the UK was, was great news, as it was its pledge to continue honouring S1s for those receiving UK state pensions or still paying UK national insurance contributions, but importantly also for those who will become eligible for a UK, pen UK state pension in the future. France's recent confirmation that they recognise the UK is still part of the S1 family and the holders therefore benefit from reduced social charges 
was also excellent news. As a result of that agreement, many of our listeners will be paying the 7.5% solidarity tax charge rather than the 17.2% investment social charge and no pension social charges, which also saves S1 holders 9.1%. However, sorry to pour cold water on the parade, but we shouldn't forget rules can change and now the UK is outside the European Economic Community, the UK could very easily extend the overseas transfer charge to EU residents at any time. In fact, the UK could decide to change the rules completely and tax all UK arising income in the UK, as it does UK rental income and government service pensions at the moment. If the Treasury gets its way, personal allowances could also be removed for non-UK residents, which means expatriates will end up paying UK income tax on every penny of UK arising income. We won't pay twice because of the UK-France double tax treaty, but we very easily can end up paying far more than we need to. So if you haven't considered the impact of what might initially seem like quite a subtle change or changes, you need to dig a little deeper and understand what the ramifications could be for you before it happens, and importantly, if there's anything you can do about it. How important is it for us to review our overall financial planning when we retire? Um, Blemish Franks Foundation were, were built on, on a commitment to helping British nationals retire to probably best described as much sunnier places than, say, Blackpool on a Maybank holiday. Apologies to Blackpool, but even though it's well over 50 years ago now, I still remember wearing the cagoule and being blown on my feet on Blackpool's prom and thinking, why are we here and I never want to come here again? Over the past 48 years, helping UK nationals settle financially in Europe has given Blevins Franks a unique understanding of what is required when someone enters this new and exciting phase of their life. The world is full of worriers, but in my experience, if you leave the UK and move to France, especially when you retire, you're usually an optimist and positive about the freedom retirement is going to offer you. As we all know, France certainly offers a beneficial lifestyle. The climate, the environment, the food, the wine and the culture, but long-term security is crucial if you want to maximise the enjoyment of your retirement years. To achieve this, you need to take a good look at your finances and the way that you hold your assets. Your situation is now totally different to the days you spent grafting away in the UK, probably working to achieve your dream of a retirement in the south of France. You need to be prepared to make some adjustments. Retirement in Monson, Valbon, Valescure or Caliam is still retirement, but financially, it's completely different to retirement in, say, Guildford, Bristol, Chester or up in Scotland in Edinburgh. Retirement feels like a good time to also review your estate planning. What are the key elements we should focus on? Um, I suppose retirement is a milestone event which, which prompts something that has always made me cringe. What's known as later life planning. I suppose it's completely logical because when you when you retire, you you usually not always, but probably nearer the undertakers than the maternity clinic. I apologise for that. That said, being more mature doesn't make estate planning all the decisions you need to make any easier. It sounds very basic, but the first step with estate planning is knowing what you want, which means deciding who you want to benefit and how much you want them to receive. That is where estate planning in France becomes a lot more complicated. The Napoleonic rules are completely different to UK common law rules. French law dictates who and how much your beneficiaries will receive. Without professional advice or planning, 
testimony wishes are frequently not achieved and in lots of cases more succession tax than needs to be is paid. During these broadcasts, Bill Blevins frequently quoted the phrase render unto Caesar what is due, not a penny more. Far too frequently, that is what happens with succession tax. A word of warning though, when considering estate planning, it's very important not to forget yourself. Don't let the tax tail of the dog wag the whole dog. Giving assets away to avoid tax is not an ideal strategy. The French taxman is wise to that trick, and he will hit you with gift tax. Estate planning needs to be much more creative, so taking expert advice is helpful, but also good financial sense. So, to discuss your estate planning requirements or your overall strategic financial planning, contact Lemmings Franks and arrange to speak to one of our locally based partners. The initial discussion is complimentary, so it won't cost you a penny to speak to us. The telephone number of our Valbon office is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if you live in Monaco or visiting our Monaco office is more convenient for you, our number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And as we say every week, Howard, if you'd like to learn more about Blevins Franks, you simply visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. I look forward to talking to you next Sunday. Look forward to it, Howard. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 or riviera at com. With so many options for your UK pension funds, which is best for you? Take regulated advice to understand how all the options affect you. The tax implications in France what opportunities there are, and what may change in future. With our pension, tax, and investment expertise, Blevins Franks provides integrated advice based on your situation and aims. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.